Welcome back to Freedom Fridays. In this episode of Freedom Fridays, we're continuing our discussion about sin, and we're going to talk about where did sin originate, and what is what is it, and from where did it come? And so let's take a look. What is sin? Now, you've probably heard all sorts of different definitions, and I've used different definitions as well over the years, but we're going to point out five characteristics of what sin is. So first of all, sin is going beyond the limits set forth by God. Uh, the, some translations also use the word transgression for this. Um, and so God has a command or a limit, and he has designed something, and anything that conflicts with that or goes beyond that is sin. So uh, if we take a look at, uh, at uh, Romans chapter 2, verse 23, you boast in the law through your breaking, though uh, you boast in the law through your breaking the law, do you honest, honor God? Do you dishonor God? So the the law was limits set by God. They were dishonoring him by breaking it. Um, and so, you know, because he goes on further in, in chapter 4, verse 15, for the law brings about wrath, but where there is no law, there is no violation. You can't violate a law that doesn't exist. And so the limits of the law or the limits of the design of God um, Anything beyond those limits is sin. That's why we say things like homosexuality is a sin, because it goes beyond the limits that God has put around the sexual union. Um, the limits that God put is that it's supposed to be between a husband and a wife um, in the confines of marriage, uh, between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, uh, in the confines of marriage. It's sad that I have to reiterate nowadays that a husband and a wife is a man and a woman. But that is also defined as limits by God. You know, there, there's not four or five different genders. There's only two, uh, according to the scriptures. And again, anything outside of the limits uh, set by God is sin. Now, is it only sexual things like homosexuality and gender and such? No. It's lots of things. Anything set by the, the limits of God. God limits us to tell the truth. So when we lie, that's outside the limits of God, and that is therefore sin. Um, secondly, sin is also a failure to meet the standards of God. So God set these limits, and anything that goes beyond them is sin. But also, God has standards for us. And anything outside of those standards is sin. So um, when, when God says that I want you to be holy because I am holy and we fail to be holy, that's sin. When God says that uh, the standard he wants for us to be truthful and we uh, bear false witness or lie, uh, that is sin. When God says that the standard is faithfulness because he is faithful and we are unfaithful, whether that, that be in uh, any relationship, 
um, or in uh, unfaithfulness to him, in we we start focusing on other things, put things higher than him, unfaithfulness, that is sin. We fail to meet those standards or we go beyond them. Those, those two definitions are, are two aspects of the same, uh, very similar things. Um, and so we've got going beyond the limits set forth by God is sin. Failure to meet the standards of God is sin. And his standards are truthfulness. His standards are righteousness. His standards are holiness. Um, his standards for us are much higher than what our standards are, but his standards are the defining factor, not our standards. Anything beyond his standards or outside of or short of his standards, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. His standards, we fall short. We didn't, we didn't quite meet the mark. Um, thirdly, realize that sin is a natural part of man. Now, this does not excuse it in any way, shape, or form. It just is helping to explain that the natural man sins. So this is something that in our humanity, and we're going to discuss in the fourth one as to why and how that came about that way, because it wasn't that way from the beginning. So anything that we naturally will do is probably going to be in a self-centered, sinful state. And again, one of the standards of God is to um, to put others first. And when we put ourselves first, that <laughs> fails to meet the standards of God and goes beyond his limits as well. And so, but it's natural for us to do that. Why is that? And that's because the fourth, uh, the, the, the next um, section that we're going to talk about, um, sin is a rebellion against God. Um, so we're, we're going to talk later on about the imputation of sin, and that is why... Um, that's why the, the imputation of the guilt and the sin is why that um, it's natural now. But we have this sin nature that we are born with. Fourthly, sin is rebellion against God. Um, it's just that simple. God has said to do something or God has set a limit and we decide that no, you know, I don't, I don't want to follow that. I want to go my own way. I want to follow my own standards because I like my own standards. And uh, therefore, I'm saying my standards are more right than God's standards or for my situation or my circumstance. And, and that is rebellion because I'm saying, God, you don't know what in the world you're doing. And so I am going to do my thing. And that is rebellion. When God is saying to do something and I say, nope, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go my own way. That is just flat out rebellion against God. Uh, we see that in, in all sorts of places throughout the scripture. 
And then fifthly, in our definition of sin, sin can be carried out toward God or toward other people. So you can sin against God, obviously. We've been focusing on that. But you can also sin or do something um, against God's standards and limits toward another person. Um, Think of the faithfulness part. If um, I am being faithful to my friend, then I'm going to, if I told him I'm going to keep things in confidence, then I need to keep them in confidence. Um, If I'm going to be faithful to my friend, I'm not going to go behind his or her back and, and, uh, you know, cut them down in front of someone else. That's not being faithful. If I'm going to be faithful to my wife, it's not just in a sexual manner, although it includes that. I'm also going to be true to her and I'm going to be committed to her and um, I'm going to try and build her up. And, you know, that's part of being faithful. If I'm going to be faithful to God, I'm not going to put anything in place before God. Um, It's in the Ten Commandments. Don't have any other gods before me. And so if I do and I put anything more important than God, that is not being faithful to God. So sin can be carried out toward God or it can be carried out toward another man. So where did sin come from? The very first sin Uh, actually wasn't Adam and Eve. And you say, well, wait a minute. I thought they were the very first people on the earth. And that is correct. They were the very first people on the earth. But however, before the earth, there was another sin. Ezekiel chapter 28, beginning in verse 12, it says, Son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyre. And say to him, thus says the Lord God. Now, who is the king of Tyre? And you say, well, it's the king who ruled over the city of Tyre. Except there's a historical problem with that. Tyre didn't have a king. They were ruled by princes. They didn't, weren't ruled by kings. In fact, in the very first part of chapter 28, he talks about the prince of Tyre, or the leader. Verse 2, so son of man, say to the leader or prince of Tyre, depending on your translation. So who's the king of Tyre? Well, it's the person behind the leader. Who is pulling the strings? Who's the real leader? It's Satan. Lucifer. And you say, well, how do you know that? Look at the description. You had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the ruby, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the lapis lazuli, the turquoise and the emerald, the gold, The workmanship of your settings and sockets was in you on the day that you were created. They were prepared. You were the anointed cherub who covers. So this is an angel. This is not a man. This is an angel. A very beautiful one at that. One that was in Eden. One that had the seal of perfection. 
Um, you were on sec- halfway through verse 14. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. And what was Satan's original sin? Verse 17, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that they may see you. He was sinfully proud. He thought he was the best. He was all that. And all because God had created him so amazingly that it went to his head. And he thought, I will be like the Most High. I'm going to take over. God's not even as beautiful as I am. And so I am going to rule. Um, Satan also led a band of angels with him in this sin. You can see that in Matthew 25, 41, or Revelation 12, 4, and 9. Um, Then Satan then deceived Eve into sin in Genesis chapter 3 in the first five verses. And this is where now we transition from sin starting with Satan, but now he has brought it to man. And we see Eve is deceived by Satan. And at the same time, well, let's go to Genesis chapter 1. In the same time, we're going to see that Eve was deceived, but Adam rebelled. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made, Genesis 3.1. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. Which, by the way, she added to God's words. The serpent said to the woman, You you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to take uh, delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Adam was watching this whole thing transpire between the serpent and his wife and he chose. She was deceived into the sin. Adam chose. sin. Sin did not start with God. God did not create sin. Remember, sin is a rebellion against God. And so Satan's initial rebellion now is formed into the human race, and the human race is now rebelling, rebelling against God as well. And it's through this disobedience of Adam that we then come under Sin. So sin um, brings us, and this is this is where we get that it's natural. It's imputed guilt. What is the definition of imputation? Is to credit to a person or cause. And so, if we go to Romans chapter five, we will see the imputed guilt, especially. 
um, down in uh, in verses um, 12, 14, and 17 through 19. So Romans 5, 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. We were imputed the guilt of Adam's sin because we are of the flesh and blood of Adam and we inherited his sinful nature. Down in verse 14, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Again, down in verses 17 through 19, For if by the transgression of the one death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So then as, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous. And you may say, well, that's not fair. Why are we considered sinners because Adam sinned and we didn't do it, except you did. Not only did you participate in Adam's sin with him as part of the human race, we call that doctrine federal headship, but not only that, but you are just as guilty. You are born because Adam sinned you are born with this sin nature. Your nature was corrupted. And because your nature was corrupted in Adam's sin, you inherit a corrupted nature that is has this natural, as we talked about earlier, propensity to sin. So the natural man, the natural course of what you would normally think of without being taught is to sin to be very self-centered, to be very um, focused on just yourself and not around other people, which is the last six uh, commandments in the Ten Commandments. You would never think of God, but only be focused on your own things, which is the first four commandments in the Ten Commandments. And so you would be in constant rebellion against God because you would be all about yourself. Well, next week, we are going to continue to take a look at this kind of a downer of a topic of sin, but it's important to understand where it came from and uh, how it applies to us in order to understand fully the depth of our salvation. So we're going to continue this discussion next week on Freedom Fridays. Mm -hmm.